This episode is brought to you by patrons David Williams and Garrett Mitchell. Thanks so much for the support, guys. Really appreciate it. And also, uh, if you're on Facebook, you can check out the alternate page, which has launched now. Uh, please follow us and like us on Facebook if you're on Facebook. Uh, we just released our first teaser uh, trailer video. It's like really short and really teasery, but uh, check that out too. And yeah, uh, a lot more alternate information to come out soon as we're going to get ready to shoot the film in the fall. But yeah, thanks so much for checking that stuff out. This is episode 214 with Foster Wilson. This is a really great conversation and her uh, newest short film, Platypus, just came out today. So check out that short film and hope you guys enjoy the show. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Andrew Schrader. And I'm Mark Purcell. This week we're excited to welcome director Foster Wilson to the show. Uh, Foster is a Los Angeles-based filmmaker and recipient of the 2017 Emergence Award. She made the transition from acting to directing in 2015 while working with the independent film collective Detroit Street Films. Her short film, Waffles, held its world premiere at the 2017 Inside Out LGBT Film Festival in Toronto, and her latest short film, Made Public, has been to 15 film festivals, winning several awards, including the Audience Award at Bentonville Film Festival, and the Best Film, Best Director, Best Actor, and Best Actress at Vaughan uh, International Film Festival. She has a BFA from NYU's Tisch School of the Arts, and she runs Something Wild Productions in Los Angeles with her husband, writer Brian Leahy. Foster, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. You want to give us a, a quick um, rundown of your bio or anything else you'd like to talk about before yeah, we Yeah, that was in? a great intro. Um, yeah, I've uh, so I've, I've been an actor most of my life, um, and transitioned to directing about four years ago, as mentioned. Um, and so I've been really running with that the last last few years. Um, and you mentioned that I went to Tisch and that uh, that's where a lot of my um, training as an actor, but also you know influence as a director has came from as well. So um, uh, yeah, now I'm out here in LA and making movies and uh, it's uh, both hard and fun and, and exciting. Nice. Um, so you started out as an actor and then switched to directing? I did, yeah. It was like a slow burn transition, actually. Um, I, I had never wanted to be a director. That was never my aspiration. It was always in acting. Um, but my neighbor, Gareth Williams, started a collective called Detroit Street Films. Um, we would meet every other Tuesday night in Hollywood, and they still do meet, um, and read scripts and about five to ten pages of a script and I started getting involved because we would get up as actors and just read cold um, different pieces and I started getting into producing a little bit um, and there was a film called Brick and Mopsy that was one of the pieces we had read and I thought it was awesome and I wanted somebody kept looking around for somebody to direct please let me direct this I'll produce it let's make this happen it's such a great script you know and uh, everybody just kept looking back at me. And so uh, Gareth encouraged me to direct it. He had written it, and it was, he was in it as well. And um, so I thought, what the heck? I, I'll give it a shot. And I was terrified. Um, but we had a micro budget, 500 bucks, one-day shoot, guerrilla-style filmmaking down under the 6th Street Bridge in Los Angeles. And uh, stopped by the police twice, but we managed to make it through. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, and afterwards I felt exhilarated and excited and, um, and worked my way into making more. Um, so for a long time, my, I mean, I still consider myself an actor, um, but I, it's not something I'm really pursuing at this time, except, um, I do commercial work still. Nice. So, um, when you got stopped, when you're making bricks and brick and mopsy, yeah. did they, <laughs> Do you have to like disperse and then come back or do they just like say stop and you start packing up, they left and then you just start shooting again? No, honestly, the the reason they stopped was because we were shooting um, right next to the train tracks and they were really just concerned about people being on the train tracks and we were a crew of 25, you know, we were not going anywhere. Um, 
and they pulled the first cop car pulled up and we all were just like okay well we've heard just hide the uh hide the boom and um grab the memory card out of the camera uh and so we did and they stopped and watched us for about 20 minutes where we all just kind of like had our you know the wind knocked out of us and didn't know what to do we didn't shoot because we didn't we didn't know what to do and then they left and then they came back maybe two hours later and actually got out of their card and came over and talked to us and i was like yeah I'm a student you know student student project <laughs> for you know fully aware they may just confiscate things or shut us down um they chatted for a while and they watched us for a while and then very happily left they were like as long as you're not on the train tracks don't worry about it so uh we got away by the skin of our teeth, but <laughs> we're kind of more into permitted filmmaking now, so we're not so guerrilla style anymore. Wow, that's amazing. And you had 25 people on a $500 budget? That's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's the beauty crew. of the collective. Um, we were just all out there to kind of make a project, and everyone wanted to be a part of it. So um, we had four actors, and I just everybody's volunteer, you know. Um, we basically used the money to pay for, we did pay our sound guys, as always, um, and uh, used the money to pay for food, and our lead actor's wife cooked all the food and brought it over, and it was just a real family affair. So yeah, there were probably about 25 people there. Wow, that's awesome. What a cool story. Yeah. So um, I want to go back to, to your time at school, just really briefly. I don't want to sure. make it all about this, but just because we had another guest on the show who was actually a co-host of the show who went to the TIS school in New York, um, and she went through for theater acting. So like, mm -hmm. what, what was your focus? So, like, what did you do at that school? I was also in acting, yeah, at the, nice. at the Atlantic Theater Company. And was it for theater or was it for film-based or like what was your – yeah, it was, it was mainly theater. Um, the way they do it at NYU is um, your BFA is in acting, um, but you're studying a, you know, somebody's either, whether it's Stanislavski or Meisner or, in our case, Practical Aesthetics, David Mamet and William H. Macy's um, technique. You're studying that, which hopefully you can bring over to both theater and film. Um, we did mainly theater. We did shows at the school and all that. And then um, later on in your acting career at NYU, you could choose to study for a semester at the Stone Street Film and Television Studio, um, which I never did, but I had friends who did that. Um, so we were focused on theater. But when I got out of school, I was doing much more film than anything else, So, um, which is part of the reason we moved to LA. It was just, if I'm doing indie film here in New York, but I'm traveling all over the country anyway, I might as well do it where there's a lot more opportunities. So Nice. And so... Um... When you transitioned from acting to directing, like was acting the main thing that you were doing to put put uh, food on the table, or were you doing something else on the side when you were acting, or uh, what was your situation? Oh man, I've got I've had so many jobs. <laughs> um, so, but I so yes, I was uh, always doing something else um, up until about uh, almost three years ago when I had my second child. We'll get to that, <laughs> um, but. I was always doing something else, and for for a long period of time, the majority of what I was doing was actually photography. Um, so at the time in New York, right out of school, my husband and I started shooting headshots for our friends, and then we sort of built up a photography business that was kind of our side hustle. Um, and but it was another full business, so we brought that to LA, and we did a lot of photography work out here as well, which was more um, less headshots and more like. Uh, events and bar and bat mitzvahs and a couple of weddings here and there and kids portraits and things like that. Um, and then I also worked for probably seven years as a, um, in a at a tutoring company. I did like administrative work and oversaw, it was like a work from home job. So I oversaw their programs and um, that was all side hustle. But for several years I was working as an actor and making money, making a living doing commercials. Um, but it was always kind of extra because you know you just never know when that check's going to come or not come when the audition's right. going to come or not come so i always ha i i always like to be sort of confident in um my finances so i always had something going on that was a another hustle and so you and you work with your husband um he writes for you right because he yeah we write a lot of he's films? a writer um primarily and he also edited waffles and and made public 
Um, but he's a self-taught editor, so his primary focus is writing. But editing out of out of necessity, he's a very good editor, and I think I think those two things go hand in hand a lot of times. Um, but yeah, he uh, he's he writes, and I direct on most of our projects. We develop some story together sometimes, but a lot of times it's him completely writing from scratch a whole idea and bringing it to me when it's basically done and we just have notes and stuff to go over yeah I mean it's really cool that you have like a partner in your husband for that I mean it it, like it's really interesting to me because I can't I I almost like can't picture it I was married once and I like I I almost feel like for me it would be like just tough to balance like boundaries or something but people do it and I'm like oh that's really cool like it's a really good like I don't know. It just, it seems like I love working with people and partners. Like I have a writing partner. Um, I don't know. I just, it, I always thought that was cool when people can do that. It's, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, we're, we're here doing stuff all the time, you know, and, and knowing that like this is not going anywhere. We've also been together since we were sophomores in college and we both went to NYU and Tish and we are both at Atlantic together. We have like a very, um, we have the same sort of set of, principles when it comes to just work I think in general like we have we have a lot of the same taste um, although it certainly varies here and there but um, and we have a lot of the same training you know as we both were as trained as actors but now I'm directing and he's writing and we sort of we sort of use those principles a lot and uh, I think that makes us we both uh, know when we've got it right and it's the we have the same taste in that way. Do you know what I mean? Like when we were shooting made public, we knew, I knew I had it. I could look at him and he knew we had it too. You know, we have this, this, it just works. We're sympathetic that way. So, uh, but we've also been together for 15 years. So, uh, we raised kids together. It's a, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Wow. That's awesome. Um, are there any struggles that come up when you work together or is it all something that you guys just have a system to figure out? Like, let, let's say, you know, you're doing something with something he wrote in a way that he doesn't approve. Like, how do you guys balance that? Um, we we really try to. I mean, we just talk about everything. Um, we we you know question each other, um, but also we try to keep the boundaries of writer director pretty clear. So like he's done, he's written something. We've gone through notes, and then I take it to the next level. I think that's what is great about film is it so collaborative um and he he you know on set he is the writer and and the editor too but he really um steps back and lets me make go to take the film to the next step you know in the process um so we don't have big creative uh you know i don't know creative issues in that in that way um I think our biggest issue is time, <laughs> time management of, right. you know, we are the only two people providing for our kids as well. So we've got to balance um, all of our projects and life, uh, you know, together. And that's always hard, you know, um, but that's that's part of what makes it great, too. So Nice. Uh, so I have a question about like becoming a director, basically. So. <laughs> You said that you kind of like got this opportunity to direct this short, like through this group that you're a part of. Like, when did you realize that directing was something that you really wanted to focus on? Was it while you were shooting that that film and while you were on set, or was it later, like when you saw it all get put together and it was something that you were really proud of? Like, talk about how you made the decision that like you were actually going to give this a shot. Yeah, I think um, so. I made that film and I was really happy with. I think what struck me was less about the finished product, um, although it was amazing having it all kind of come together, and just my first time going through the the motions of working with an editor and um, who at, for Brick and Mopsy was not Brian, um, but all of those pieces that I, as an actor, I had never been a part of. Like on set, sure, that's all that's all great. I know all that world, but then the rest of it was new for me. Um, so, but less so uh, the finished product and more the experience on the day and sort of creating um, an experience for the people that came on board the project 
that everybody walked away from really proud, really excited about the film. And I kind of realized like, oh, I, I put that together and I, I set that tone on set, which I've been on plenty of sets, so that's not the tone. Um, and so there's something very empowering about that for me as someone who has always been like, uh, yep, I'll show up, I'll do the job, I'll, I'll do what you tell me, you know, I'll provide this creative input, but at the end of the day, this is your project and serving others and their projects, having something that, um, for me, was just very, it was satisfying to, to be able to do that for others and to be the, the leader. Um, so that was a, a, certainly a transition point, but I continued to act and pursue acting and, and work on other people's films and commercials and things like that the whole next year. And I would say it was so, it was such a long period of time for me to kind of say, no, I'm only pursuing directing right now. It took probably two years, I think, um, because it meant I just didn't have time to do both. Um, and uh, there are plenty of people that do both, but with my kids and with just keeping our life the way it was, I, I couldn't pursue both careers. And uh, it was hard to let go of acting. It was like, that's what I've always been. That's what I've always done. Um, if someone asked me to be in something, I probably, if I had time, would. But really, the pursuit of it was not not for me anymore. Um, when I did Waffles, we, we made Waffles, so about a, a year later, um, I was doing it as my application for AFI's Directing Workshop for Women. And that experience was really, we really elevated ourselves. You know, this was the first time Brian and I were kind of creating something um, that was just ours. And, um, and that experience was incredible. And um, coming out of that, I, I did not get into AFI's Directing Workshop for Women. But when I did not get in, when I got the rejection letter, I said, oh, I've got to go get work as a director right now. Like, it, it was very clear to me, like, okay, that opportunity is not there. I've got to go do something else. Um, and that's when I just started calling producers that I knew and said, do you know of anything that needs to, like, do you know of anyone who needs a director right now? And one of the first calls I made, the my producer friends, like, actually, yes. Um, and that was, that was platypus. So, um, so two years, maybe, I guess is the answer, but it was a long process. So for platypus, you were a director for hire on that project? Yes. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And that's another short film? Correct. Yeah. That short film, um, is actually being released on July 15th. Um, so we've been doing the festivals and we're still going to festivals with that one, but, um, that was made um, as part of a group called The Collaborative, um, which is another kind of collective along the lines of Detroit Street Films. Um, but they're made up of 100 actors who, who also create films, and they just didn't, they didn't have enough directors within their collective at the time, and so they were seeking um, some, someone outside. So I interviewed for that job and got hired. Wow, and did they pay you for that too? Or? They did, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I don't know. I mean, the short film, it's never, <laughs> it's never a lot, but that, that was like a, a certainly a, um, it, it felt awesome, you know, to be um, respected in, with the work that I had done thus far. Like that's, that was, that spoke to them um, enough that they trusted me with their project. So that was obviously a completely different experience. Um, very unique. And that's how, how, are, how have you been uh, financing your other films? So waffles we made also for $500 <laughs> um, with some very generous support of friends. Uh, our DP who shot that, you know, happened to own an Alexa and let us use it. And um, that was just very lucky. We had a friend with that beautiful location um, and he let us use that. So that was self-funded. <laughs> um, but uh, with Made Public, we actually won, as you mentioned, the 2017 Emergence Award, which was given out by the camera division. Um, and it was an in-kind grant, if you will, um, from about 10 different companies in LA. So we had um, most of our equipment, well, all of our equipment really covered um, by different companies. So camera division gave us all our camera equipment and Cinelease gave us all our, our grip and lighting equipment. And we had post-production services donated as well. And, um, when we won that, we had we had the script for Made Public, 
Um, we had read it, we had developed it. We thought this is incredibly ambitious and we'll never be able to do this right with, you know, a shoestring budget. So we'll just make too many compromises for the film. Um, so we submitted it to this, uh, to the emergence award, you know, they were offering this grant and when we got it, we were like, oh, okay, now we can make this, <laughs> this movie because part of what we really needed was a ton of equipment um, to light an entire church and to light, you know, from front to back. The, the, if you see the film, you go the shot, we have two long shots um, that go from the front of the church all the way to the back of the church. And, um, and we knew we had to light that entire thing um, and have a crew to support that. And everybody, you know, we want everybody to be paid and, um, so we got that and then we did a crowdfunding campaign. We raised $14,000 on Seed and Spark and, uh, we had a couple of smaller private, um, donate donors, EPs as well. And then, you know, threw in all the rest that didn't cover that. So it was a group effort, but that was kind of how that all came about. Wow. So my question is, I mean, I, I guess I understand a little bit better now, like you made those two shorts uh, for $500 each. And so for Made Public, you really wanted to do something on a larger scale. Yeah. Um, but I mean, my th first thought was when I saw Waffles um, and, you know, the success it's had and then also just like the quality of the short itself. I was wondering, like, why aren't you tackling a bigger project? Like, why go back to another short film after making, you know, multiple short films? So what, what, what was that driving factor? Was it just that you want to do something on a larger scale or? Yeah. You know, well, the, the thing about waffles is that we, I made that, as I mentioned for my application, because I didn't feel like brick and mops, brick and mopsy was awesome. Uh, I didn't feel like it was strong enough material for AFI and I wanted something stronger. And so I made that for them as I did not think it was a standalone film. I, I, I wanted it to be, but I, I thought it would just be, well, this is good to kind of show what I can do with a scene and, um, didn't expect it to go to festivals or anything. Actually asked a few people like, do you think this would possibly get into a festival? And a few people were like, yeah, why not? And so I started submitting it. We got into inside out. It just kind of blew up from there. Um, people were contacting me asking me if they could screen the film for their festival, which never happens. Um, so I didn't even intend for that to be like our big film festival um, film. We didn't have enough budget to go to all the places that played a lot internationally. And we just didn't, we didn't go to them. So I didn't have a real film festival experience myself. Um, and I didn't think that kind of one, I would really put forward waffles, um, you know, as my part of my portfolio just wanted a bigger portfolio um and you know we do we do comedy like in a dark comedy and dry comedy um but we wanted to do something that was more true and true comedy although people still describe made public as like dramedy or whatever but um and that was kind of you know why we went forward with making made public i mean it just was it just needed to be made <laughs> in our right. minds. And then, and now that we've, I, we have a, a, another short that we'd like to do as well. Um, but that I think would round out our, our portfolio. Um, but we've very luckily had a lot of success with this film and we are now already diving into features and, um, we got representation out of it. And, and so, you know, we still would like to make that other film. It's called five stages of grief. Um, but it, right now our focus is on features. So now that we've, <laughs> that we've done, um, made public, you know, it, it feels like the next move. So, so how did the representation representation come about? Was it after you released made public? Was it just like a week ago or was it during festivals? Uh, actually it came about, um, we, I met with someone who I had known, um, I, I met with her to potentially invest in made public. Um, when we were crowdfunding and needed some additional investments. And um, she just really liked the whole pitch and the whole project. And, and Brian and I, she's, she's known us for a while. And she knew um, the people over at, at Fourth Wall and said, you know, well, the sort of investment aside, like I really think you should meet with them. So we met with them about a month after we shot Made Public and nothing, they hadn't seen anything. They had read the script um, and they'd seen Waffles. But we met with them in May of last year. And I think we, it sort of 
a long process, but we sort of ended up uh, when when May Public was really done and they saw that we we signed with them. So, um, but we'd kind of known them and been talking with them for a while, about six months or so. That's awesome. Um, are you? What genres are you? Are you working in the same sort of genres for features, or where are you where are you headed uh, genre wise? Yeah, I I think dark comedy is sort of our sweet spot. Um, anything uh, or, or any kind of comedy that has you know, gravity in, to it um, that's a grounded comedy, um, or we also have have some very dark dramas that have a lot of levity in them that would be more billed as a drama. Um, so in, in the, in that sort of range, I would say, um, and like, a there's a project that may go forward. That's a, a dark comedy thriller that I really, really love the script for that somebody else wrote. Um, so we're, you know, in that, in that vein, you know, um, always really driven by relationships and characters and, um, and grounded in for the most part reality, um, that's not what we love. So what's your approach to getting a feature made? Are you going to work with your manager to try to package the movie, like find a script, package it with a certain actor, and then like try to approach investors that way? Or like what's the process to getting this, this film made? So we have a couple of projects um, in the works. Uh, the first one is called Living Will um, that Brian is writing. And I think we need to... I don't know exactly the next step with it, but he's still writing it. So we're very much, it's been developed and we have a treatment, but um, we're very much in the early stages of getting the script together. Um, so we're not really going anywhere with it until the script is complete. Um, and I don't know their, their process for it. We certainly are connected to a lot of talent, um, just having worked in the industry for so long. Um, and everybody knows everybody. So I think for us, you know, um, and I sort of have a, a reputation for working with actors. I mean, I love working with actors and I, I feel like I'm an actor's director. Um, and so my plan is, my goal is always to attach somebody pretty early on based on the relationships that I have. Um, because I think people just get excited about Brian's words and about the story and working with us together. Um, that would be my my hope and my plan to get investment. But I also am working at, um, at director for higher jobs in the future world. And then, um, hopefully in television as well. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so process, I want to talk about process a little bit and unless Andrew, do you have another question? No, I was going to ask about process too. So you, you go first. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, yeah, I just wanted to hear about like how you approach, um, a project. So like if you get the script and you know, you had like, what's your, your first step? Like, how do you, do you break down the script? Like, how do you go over things? Like what, how do you, how do you like to approach, um, you know, your projects? Yeah, I think, um, I think what I've learned that I am very much still learning my own process. <laughs> um, and I love asking other directors about their process as well, because I think everybody does it differently. Um, and I'm still figuring it out. Um, I think the most valuable thing for me in the beginning, when I read a script, so I was sent a, a feature script and I, the first time through, I just, wrote down in the script anything I thought of when I, whether it was an image that I saw or an actor I thought of or a problem I had with it or a line that was problematic or, you know, anything. I just write everything in the script and then I go back and read it again. And, you know, usually um, at that point in the process, I have a lot of visual ideas. Um, and so I, I have to get that out in onto paper or digital form. Um, so that I can show other people what I'm thinking. And I think that's how you either get a job or get investors, you know, or get a, a actor, a talent or a DP, you know, you have to show them what's in your head, um, which took me a little while to learn. I can't describe it with words. I have to show you. So I usually spend quite a long time. It's a tedious process, but just scouring the internet and Pinterest and film grab, you know, all these different websites for images that, speak to me for 
certain scenes or certain characters or the first, second, and third acts or things like that. Um, and when I've really done that, I learned so much about the project myself from doing that and like eliminating, oh, this is what I thought in my head, but when I see it there, that doesn't work. Oh, I like this one over here, you know. And then also knowing, hey, there's nothing. I've looked at all these movies. There's nothing like the image that I have in my head. Let me draw it out, you know. Um, so, which is cool to think like, hey, maybe that, maybe it hasn't been done before. I don't know. Um, and, and I'll also, when I'm going through the script, I'll also start to, to write down just kind of some basic shots if I, like a sort of specials, I guess, anything that's special that I would shoot in that scene. Um, but that, that lookbook then, you know, in the end is what is going to get me to the next step, hopefully. Um, and and it helps so much across the board. Like I can show my designer, you know, this lookbook and she can go, oh, cool, here are the images I had. And then we can sort of like cross-reference. And um, I think that's so, so important. And that takes me to the, to the next steps in the process. And uh, when you do like work with your husband, I know you, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, you, you guys are pretty segmented in terms of writing and directing. But mm -hmm. when he, does he include you when he's, thinking of different concepts or ideas or working through something do you are you a part of of that process like does he bounce ideas off you do you guys work together on on things or just just every project a little different um yes yeah, so with uh, with ideas I mean for feature ideas certainly we we bounce back and forth you know oh we have this great idea in the shower like what, what do you think and we talk about stuff like that um we develop so for the features we develop those together um and really sit down for like 10 hours a day and break everything down and talk about the the plot points and um but when it comes to writing he really likes to do everything by himself um and doesn't want me my input really until a, a scene at least is really complete um and he feels good about it so um it's a little bit of both in the beginning. With short, sometimes, you know, he'll get an idea. He'll go write five, ten pages and come back and be like, look, I wrote it short. You know, that, that stuff happens pretty fast. Um, but when it comes to the features, we have such little time, really, to sit down and, and write. We have to dedicate that. Uh, we got to make sure our idea is really solid and that there's nothing else out there like it. And, you know, talk about um, you know, other comps and similar elements that inspire it and um, things like that together before we where he sits down and actually writes the, the dialogue. That's great. How, how many, so do you, can you maybe like just give us a sense of what a typical day looks like? I mean, in terms of balancing work with children, with children and um, side projects and all that, like how many, what, what does a typical day look like for you? Um, uh, so I'm a, at this point now that we have two kids, um, I, when my, our second daughter was born, I stepped forward as like primary caregiver where we were kind of 50-50 before that. Um, but I wanted to quit my day job, um, be with the kids and pursue directing. And I just didn't think I had time for all three. So, and so I quit my day job. <laughs> um, so I became the primary caregiver and Brian became the primary breadwinner. Um, he also writes uh, for an ad agency out of Miami and does, um, copyright work and, and ad me too. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I make my living. That's too. how he makes his living. Um, so he gets to work remotely too. Yes. Yes. Which is so, great. Which is great. And, uh, now we're like at the point where like, maybe we should get a, like a WeWork or something because there's so little that can be done here at the house. Um, so Every day is a little different, um, but for the most part, I'm getting up and we're both kind of getting the kids ready for school or camp or whatnot, um, and my work time is whenever I can schedule a babysitter or when uh, in the fall, you know, we have um, preschool will start and, you know, when the kids are in school, I'll get to work. Um, now, then things will happen, like I'll go to nine film festivals in the course of three months. Um, and then in the fall, I'm going to be shadowing a TV show and that'll be three weeks of basically I'll be doing nothing and I'll, I'll be gone from, you know, seven to seven or, or, or longer. So when we're in production or on set, 
things like that are just kind of thrown together. Um, a lot more falls on his shoulders and a lot more, um, we get, you know, maybe my mom will fly out <laughs> from the East coast or something, but it's a real, that's a real cluster or something. Um, but then, you know, during, yeah, how did you yeah. go ahead? Oh, sorry. Keep, keep going. Well, uh, you know, during the day, uh, well, that, that, that was kind of, kind of the whole, the whole shebang, but then, and Brian is working, you know, 40 or 50 hours a week doing copywriting. And then anytime he can squeeze in other writing, that's what, what he does. Or we have to schedule something very particular, like this Saturday, we taking the whole day and someone's coming to watch the kids and we're going to go develop, which we've done a couple times. That's great. It's really great to, you can make it work. I mean, I, I, I don't, work as much so that I can work on other stuff. I can't, you know, I just, I, I know how time flies and how difficult it could be to, um, to have a family. I mean, I, it would just be really tough. It's Although so maybe on hard. the other hand, it would just kind of <laughs> kick things. At, it would, Yeah. It's not easy. I mean, sometimes like... like when I have no, yeah, no, I, I, I can imagine. Um, but I have to say that like as a writer, copywriting has been the best thing so i i'm like it's cool to see someone else doing it i'm like i'm not the only one yeah i think that he i think it's great because it it is wonderful to be able to write for a living and just to have that practice and that sort of portfolio of work even if it's in it's sort of a different arena um he is writing all, all day long, every day. Um, and which is a far cry from 10 years ago when we had a, a bunch of different weird side jobs that had nothing to do with what we wanted to do. So it is like, you know, baby steps in a way. Um, but also it's on the reverse. It's, it's so much brain space that you're taking up writing all day at the end of the day, you know, it's difficult to go then have a writing session and be creative and write your right. film. So it's a, it's a tough balance. I think we're, we're coming out of a, a more tricky time and hopefully we're going to move into something that's a little bit um, more balanced after not, you know, sort of ending our festival circuit travel. Um, I think that'll ease up the, the pressure a little bit. Yeah. And so when you talked about the job shadow coming up, how did that come about? And can you say which, which show you're going to be on? I or can't say anything or... about it yet, um, but check back with me. It's all under wraps uh, at this moment. Sorry. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> and, you, and you can't tell us, like, how it came about or, any, like, without saying the name of the show or who it is. Like, can you talk? Because I know on other podcasts I've listened to and on this podcast, podcast like, trying to get uh, the shadowing opportunity is kind of difficult. So just even like one little tidbit on how you were able to make it happen would sure. Might be I, well, I've shadowed a, a couple of times. I've shadowed on three projects so far. Um, this one's part of a program that I can't talk about yet. Um, but I have so my first shadowing job. I shadowed director Valerie Weiss on her film The Archer, um, which was before so 2016. I was pregnant. Um, with my youngest and it was before <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I did waffles or made public because I met Janine Mason on set of the archer. That's how I got to know her. And she stars in both waffles and made public. So I got, I met her through like preschool moms group, uh, who, and we went to an event that was a screening of her film, the light beneath your feet. And I thought the film was great. And here's a mom, female filmmaker, director who is just so she knows who she is and she she's like an amazing she's just an amazing force just in general um she is so great at self-promotion she is so great at not just directing but getting the next job you know she has got it all in my mind you know I'm sure from her perspective it's not that way but for me I was sitting there watching the movie and watching her talk about it and like oh I just like beeline to her afterwards I was like okay, I'm just getting started in this whole thing, this whole world. But if you have any projects coming up, can I shadow you? I don't even think I knew about the word shadowing at the time. I think I just said, I just want to kind of know your process. And is there, is there anything I can do to help you <laughs> on your next film? And she was like, okay, great. Well, I don't have anything coming up. And then a month later, I followed up. And she's like, I just got my first director for hire job. And it was a feature called The Archer. So what I helped her do ahead of time was 
prep a little bit, um, and uh, I learned her process in prepping um, and did a lot of research for her, and then I kind of wiggled my way into getting a job on set so that I could be on set and shadow her for 10 days, um, and also still justify being away from my daughter at the time. Um, so then I went to, they had 15 days of shooting, and I went for 10 of them in Idlewild, and I did some background casting for them uh, as well so that I could kind of do that on the side and then be on set and just be a monitor with her. And I learned so much. Um, but that's how I kind of weaseled my way into shadowing her. And she's now been, you know, she's my mentor. She's been an incredible supporter of, of me and my work. And, um, and what else? Friends of friends. Like I, I well, wait, but back yeah. to that experience <laughs> really yeah. quick. So what was like one tip that you learned, uh, working on that, that project, uh, that you were like able to get on set and you're shadowing, uh, this director, like what was one thing that you took away from that experience? Um, I, two, well, two things. One is how close of a relationship you have to have with your DP, um, that her prep on set every dinner, every, every lunch, every moment, you know, she was sitting with her DP and they were talking about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Um, there was no downtime, but it was all collaboration with her DP. Um, and the second thing is that expressing gratitude to everybody on set all the time. And yes, it gets, there are times when it gets, you know, stressful and there's things that aren't going well. Um, but just really being so grateful for everybody. Cause this was an indie feature, you know, everybody's working for sort of the love of it. And also like, yeah, it's just, it's nobody's getting paid the big bucks on this thing, but it was an amazing project. And I think just really connecting with everybody top to bottom um, and knowing that no one's there for the glory and <laughs> everyone's there for the heart and, um, and just really expressing that gratitude all along the way. Um, I took, I took that away from, from that experience. Nice. And so then, yeah, quickly, like what was the second experience? Like, was it just another friend of friend situation where you were able to shadow um, the next time? I did. So I've done a friend of a friend, uh, a friend is a writer and he had a web series that was um, being produced by Kevin Hart's company and called the donors. And I shadowed just a day on that. Um, and that was just an ask, you know, and I just shot out a day um, and just to kind of soak up, you know, like a different person, a different way of working, a web, like a more highly produced web series, um, which was not unlike kind of like a mini TV show. Um, so that was very different from film, obviously. But um, and then I shadowed on uh, Roswell, New Mexico in December, which Janine is the lead on that. And so I kind of went as her guest and she connected me with the, with the director. So we, um, I was sort of cleared by production to be there for about four days. And, um, and wow, so that's, that's yeah. awesome. Great, gr great advice. It basically just sounds like be vocal, reach out. Don't be afraid to ask. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. I mean, I think that it's, I've learned that time and time again is just, asking, 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 and making known to people who you think, you know, just talking about what it is that you want, even if the person you think you're talking to has no connection to that whatsoever, you just don't know um, where things will lead. So being clear about what it is that you want, if you want to shadow somebody, you want to shadow um, on a show, like figure out, look, scour that IMDb, figure out who's connected to who, and, um, and just keep asking and putting out the requests. Because somebody is going to say yes eventually. I think that's really important. I part of what I do is I, I'm always like trying to email people whose work I really like or people who I met, and I'm pretty like open with um, like, hey, what's up? Like I I don't know. I just always have this like kind of open <laughs> childlike thing a little yeah. bit. Um, and you never know what could happen. I mean, I've had like great opportunities come from just asking. A lot of like silence. And a lot of sure. rejections, obviously, but I mean, I've had like the coolest stuff just from doing what you're saying. So I, I love that. Yeah. And I think meeting people face to face in any kind of situation, people automatically like their guard goes down and they trust you, whether it's over email sometimes, well, you don't know that person uh, at all, but sometimes you're like at a festival or whatnot, you know, just meeting someone face to face one time 
now you have a connection to them and, and you may ask them six months down the road, hey, I know you're writing on this project. Like, is there any chance I could come on set for a day as your guest? I mean, not even, you still get a lot of the same experience as a guest of somebody who's uh, above the line. So, um, yeah, and then I've had people reach out to me asking to shadow on some of my projects. And I'm like, heck yeah, of course, <laughs> come along. So, and I'm just happy to share the the wealth of what I do, if that's something that you think you want to learn. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it goes both ways. So, yeah, there's really like such a need in this, I don't know, in the indie world, especially, cause that's where I come from that, you know, really need to people like, I, I don't know. I really love my friends because we all kind of look out for each other. We're all very supportive. Um, there's no like, you know, ego with, the people that like I get along with best right. and um you know just I just love it. I feel like we all kind of need to like look out for each other or help out and it's it's not like a trying to get ahead thing it's just this is hard like you know the podcast is called making movies is hard yeah. <laughs> but <Right. laughs> um I mean it's just like so hard making a movie or, or trying to make a career in this industry or even just as a writer in general I mean even even copywriting or something is tough but film is like you need the community it's and a collaborative so I love... art. I mean, it really is. You, The community is crucial. And I can tell, going back to, say, you know, the collaborative, this place with 100 actors, and they all work together to to get each other work and make films. I mean, these are, these are actors who have, for the most part, never done any writing and directing and producing. And they all sort of, with, when this group formed, um, they were kind of a, they were a workshop place when, when they started. They were doing workshops, casting director workshops. And it sort of morphed into like, well, why aren't we making our own stuff? You know, this person's a talented writer. This person uh, can get stuff made. They're a born producer, you know. And the work that has come out of that group is incredible. But it's because they all step up and they all go, yes, I will come to the reading of your script and give you notes. Yes, I will show up on the day and work for, you know, pizza. <laughs> no, they never have pizza. But, <laughs> but I will work as a PA for nothing for you because because I believe in you and your project. And then in six months, I've got my thing and you'll come help me. It is, it's magical, like really what can happen. Um, and the whole filmmaking is a collaborative art. So we, you know, we have to sort of embrace that. Now, down the road, you know, you have to pay people. <laughs> you can pay people for who are skilled professionals at what they, what they do. And I'm a big believer in that as well. Um, when you're making something with your friends, like it, it's actually so much fun so much fun to help out on other people's projects so yes i believe that yeah i think i think there's like a good balance of like you know the back and forth like you know uh, i'll help you on your project you help me, me on my project and let's, let's all share knowledge and let's all share information and everything and then also of course like paying people for their for their hard work too you know like i think you definitely have to do both but I, I don't know. I think there definitely, you know, is room for that collaborative filmmaking because that's how things get made, you know? Um, and I mean, and you're obviously living proof like of it too. Like you've got two films, $500 budgets that you had all that support on. And I've had lots of support on my short films too in the past. And I definitely wouldn't be here today if people didn't help me out. Absolutely. So. <laughs> and I, I think there's a different, yeah, there's a difference between, you know, helping out your friends and, you know, lending your services and you can when you know that they're, people that you trust and you know they've got your back later or not you whatever it's like all kind of a community but it's the when you're reaching out to people you don't know <laughs> asking people to work for free um unless they're completely green and just want an experience in which case you're going to get what you pay for you know i think you you're hire if you're hiring people for for their skills below the line grips and um Thing, ACs and things like that, you know, that you have to have a, a budget there. You have to pay people. Um, so it's a, yeah. it's a, um, I just want to be able to make movies where everybody gets paid <laughs> and is happy, even if they are my friends. <laughs> so that's, exactly, that's my goal. Exactly. <laughs> so we only have like about 10 minutes, but I want to talk about this briefly. Just like any, any struggles that you've had, like, you know, since you've gone out on this, um, you know, new career, this new journey as a director, like, what are some of the things that you've faced, like challenges or struggles and, and how have you overcome them? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, let's see. I think 
I think the or the first thing that comes to mind is really the the issue I have letting go of being an actor. Um, and that was like a self-identity crisis, <laughs> you know? Um, and I talked a little bit about that, I think, but I think there is kind of the bigger picture there is sort of allowing yourself to, to grow in a new direction if things are pointing that way and feeling really good, you know, in that, in that way. Um, and that sounds a bit, you know, out there, woo -woo, whatever, but like, I, I think I held myself back from that for a little bit, just trying to be like, no, I'm an actor and I don't, I'm not, I'm not in charge. And, but I was making films and it was like, doors were opening for me without even, it was easy for me to make that ask of Valerie. It was, it felt easy to be like, Hey, Janine Mason, who I worked with very briefly on the Archer, like, would you be in this short film? You know, those things were easy for me, much easier than things were uh, when I was an actor and trying to get work. It just, none of those things lined up in the way that they started to for me as a director. Um, and so I think it was like, like taking my hands off the wheel a little bit and going, oh, okay, like the, everybody's showing me the, the way the path that's sort of going to fit me best. Um, so that was like a lot, really felt like allowing myself to grow in that, in that way that was new and scary <laughs> um, for me, but now feels really right. Um, I also think, you know, the hardest part about, uh, about that transition too was you are now in charge of your own destiny. You know, like you cannot sit back and wait for the phone to ring. You, you know, you are creating your own work, which is freeing and empowering. And also like, where, what if the inspiration doesn't come? You know, what if, uh, I don't, I don't have a project to work on right now. So that being your own boss and being in charge every day of whether or not you are going out there and, and making the thing, making the thing happen. Um, and then I think balancing the stress of production is always a real challenge for me. Um, when we were raising money, fundraising, which is awfully hard, very, very hard and very humbling experience, um, crowdfunding, I really hope I'd never have to do it again. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that experience and then the stress on top of it of going into production three weeks later was so overwhelming. And it was like, there were 12,000 things to do every single day, every single moment, um, and I don't know that I have the answer for that, but but that was um, that's the hardest thing for me is kind of balancing that and being able to go, okay, here we are on set, let's just have fun and forget about the the stress of it all. Um, it's exciting stress, but it's it certainly works on my my nerves. Yeah, I can definitely re relate to that um, for sure. I mean, like I I made two features, and the first the first thing you said too about um like your identity i can mm -hmm. relate to that a lot because when i was making features like that was my whole identity and right. then i like cratered out after two and i just i like completely burnt out and didn't have a project and didn't know what to do with myself because i didn't have a project i really wanted to make or go through the the insanity of production again um so yeah. you know and i i still do direct um, but the only way I really want to do it on a feature level again is like for the right project. Right. Um, and so I've just committed like solely to writing. Oh, well, not solely. I am, I actually do direct stuff. I'm doing a music video this, you know, I do like random small stuff, yeah. but, um, I really had to go through like this period too of like, no, don't worry about being a director. Just like worry on a, about idea generation and like focus on writing mm -hmm. and now it's a lot better I've let go of a lot of that identity crap that like really weighed heavily on me like I'd wake up in the middle of the night yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that what do for years. I mean I had I had like what do people what do people think of me like what uh yeah. and what and what does this mean I've given up and I, I'm I'm you know I thought I figured out a way like never I'm never gonna give up and then that way I'll finally you know be successful at this and then Am I giving, is this like a secret way of giving up? <laughs> you know, I had that, all of that. And finally now I think I can, I can say that 
all of the things I have done in my life from acting to photography have led me to where I am now. And I wouldn't be directing in the way that I'm directing now if I didn't have this core base of acting and also the visual aesthetics of photography, but, and also all the relationships I have, like it's all really connected. Um, and I'm sure nobody else is thinking about it, but me, <laughs> but, uh, I struggled for years, two years thinking about that. And so, yes. Two years, that's it? Yeah, it took me like, <laughs> way longer. Okay, maybe I'm a little still hung up on it, but whatever. No, it was, it, with me, it was like I um, I had finished a movie, and then it took um, four years to get distribution. It took three years to make it, four years to get distribution, and it came out last year. And in the time before it was actually finished, um, oh, God, like, just I would wake up at 3 a.m. like oh my god I can't like can't do this movie anymore like I have to finish this or it's gonna kill me yeah (laughs) like and I'm not a filmmaker I can't even finish you know another movie right so hard (laughs) all right movies are hard (laughs) yeah well I mean I guess I think I struggle in a different way um you know just uh I mean I've been trying to make the same movie for five years and I, I wrote the first draft in, you know, March of whatever it was, 2014, I guess it is, maybe, or yeah, I guess 2014. And so that's when I met you. Yeah, right. I, I had just like either right before, or right after I had written this script and then like, yeah, I sent it to you, Andrew, you could actually help me out with some of the early drafts. I remember, um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's been struggling to get this movie made and I, I felt like after my first short film was done and released and out in the world, which I think it did come out. Um, I think it came out online in 2015 and I had made it in 2012. I just, you know, I thought I was like, okay, movie's done. Like now I'll get to make my feature. And then it was like, you know, like not even close. Like I made two more shorts after that, or even three, three more shorts. And now it's like, finally, I'm going to make my feature in the fall. And I still have a million things to do for it, obviously. And it's going to be a ton of work, but yeah, it's just been a long, a long haul. But I think like two years ago, I kind of just realized that it's going to take however long it's going to take. And I've just decided not to stress out over the time, you know, and not be like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I'm like 34 and I haven't made my first feature. It's like, who cares? Like I could be 44 and haven't made my first feature. It doesn't matter. Like, cause there's no rush. It's all about making the art and making it good. And I'm not, just trying not to stress over the things that I was stressing over about, like, you know, in the beginning, basically. And just enjoying the process. I was just going to say, enjoying the process is so hard. (laughs) But that's what we have to do because how much of, of, you know, directing or filmmaking is actually on set, you know, doing that sort of glory thing, which is stressful too, but that is such a small percentage of, of directing or filmmaking overall. Yeah, totally. I like I still get, you know, of course, worked up and anxious and a little stressed going into a production. But one of the things my, my wife has been telling me, like, since Strange Things, since my first short film, is just like, just remember that you love doing this and just enjoy it and have a good time, you know, whenever I go off to make to direct something. And I really just embrace that. And in the last few projects, like I've just really just thought about how how lucky I am to get to go out and make this film with like whatever crew I have you know or with with the the actors and you know whatever and all the collaboration that I get to have on on my projects and so now I just like really just try to enjoy the hell out of every moment I get to be on set and I'm trying to do the same with all the you know crowdfunding and social media and all the other things that you have to do too and so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it it has been a struggle, but I think I've come out on the side now of just like really embracing and loving it. You yeah, know? I think too. I mean, that that crowdfunding to piggyback on that. I think part of what I heard somebody say one time, and I'm trying to. It was really hard when we were crowdfunding to embrace this, but now I see <laughs> what they were saying. But um, when you're crowdfunding, instead of you know, asking, thinking of it as asking people for money to give you their hard-earned money for your project. Really what you're doing is is getting them 
super excited to see the thing that you're making and to be a part of making that project. And maybe that sounds like, oh, that's just what we say. <laughs> but like really and truly, there are so many people that were a part of, you know, giving us 25, 50 bucks for made public that were then on the journey with us. And when we went to release the film last week, it was like, it was crazy. I mean, it's crazy. Everybody was so excited that they either had known about the project from, you know, social media and whatnot, or were part of having, having, we had a hundred people on set. There were a lot of people that are actually there on the day, but also having, you know, crowdfunded it, you know, with all of, I think maybe we had 350 donors or something like that. So that's a lot of people that were excited about it. And, um, I remember a producer saying once, like getting, doing a crowdfunding is an amazing opportunity to sort of provide, you know, your own marketing, because even if you're raising a little bit of money for your festival run, you're still getting people in invested in the project and excited about the project. Um, and that is part of your job as a filmmaker, you know, it is to do your own marketing, which you pretty much are always having to do. So it yeah. starts with your crowdfunding, you know, that's where it begins. Um, anyway, so think we frame it up that way it's a little bit easier but yeah and i and i think that's a good way of looking at it is that the people who uh you know end up donating to your your campaign they are like part of the family of the movie now you know whether it be a dollar five dollars twenty five dollars whatever they put in it's like now they're part of your team and you really couldn't do it without them you know it's a kind of a special warm feeling that you you have when you're doing a crowdfunding campaign um, but although it is hard, like I did my own, um, for my first short film and oh my gosh, it was, I did everything wrong. I made all the big mistakes, you know? Um, but I think going into my next one for, for the alternate, I'll, I think I have a good idea of how I'm going to approach it. And I think, um, I'm, I'm pretty confident. But, Are you uh, crowdfunding for a feature? Yeah. For a feature. Wow. But I'm going to probably ask for somewhere in the same realm of what you asked for, maybe a little bit more, you know, because I already have funding from some other areas too, you know, so it's going to be like a joint effort kind of right. thing. And, um, I've seen people raise like multiple hundred thousands of dollars on uh, crowdfunding for features, but I'm not going to go ahead and say that I think you're I raising can... <laughs> a portion of it. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. I'm yeah. not going to be like, yes, I'm going to get $150,000. Right, <laughs> it no. seems so insane these days to raise that much. I mean, unless you're like a famous person, then it's like, okay, right. maybe. You know. Right. But I think most of the big campaigns I've seen where they have raised that much money, they have been somehow a famous person or somewhat established in some way that they've been able to utilize that in order to really reach people and, you know, like gain a lot of fans and a lot of, you know, whatever uh, exposure, yeah. I guess. Is or word. have some, uh, you know, A-lister in their project sometimes. Oh yeah. You know, fans, that, that, their fans. That also helps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Foster, thank you so much for joining us and, uh, everybody go watch made public right now. It's a really, really fun short film. Um, I love the way that you start the movie Foster and how you kind of, you know, dole out the story, it, you know, and you're not like giving it to us all, giving it to us all at once. Like we're kind of figuring out what's happening as we I go forward. Up. Yeah, and we're the David Mamet school. Get him in late. Get him out early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, so. you know, I actually like the one comment I wanted to mention um, was that like in your synopsis that I read, which I don't know if it's still there, but like the mm -hmm. synopsis gave more information than the movie does. So I was like, <laughs> man, maybe no, like, yeah, less information in the synopsis because it was kind of fun to like have it just delivered to me uh, without me knowing what was heck coming, you know? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we have... I think our synopsis is in very few places. We try to, I don't oh, know, yeah. I'll have to go check. Nice. We try to just give a log line, but um, we do have our synopsis in our press kit because sometimes people don't have time. Yeah, to people it. like but, synopsis, yes. Yeah, yeah, but it's fun. Like, it's a fun ride. And it's been fun at the festivals trying to figure out when, at what point people kind of get it, understand what's going on. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, please go check it out. It's on Vimeo, Made Public. It should pop up if you search it. But also you can go to madepublicfilm.com and it's on there as well. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy. What, where else should people find you? Do you want them to go to your website? Are you on yeah, social media? I'm on where? social media. I'm on Instagram mainly at the Foster Wilson. Um, and 
I'm on Facebook as well, but Instagram is usually my go-to social media. And then just my, my name.com, fosterwilson.com is my website with my, my reel and all the things that I'm doing. So. Awesome. Andrew, any final words before I end the episode? Uh, no, thanks so much for being on Foster. And yeah, and I did get to see Made Public before uh, this episode and loved it. And um, just really, really awesome work overall. Like Thank just you. everything, camera work, lighting, um, acting, everything was great. I recommend everyone go and watch it. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, yeah, tr- last note, truly, I think you didn't hit the comedy beats in that one in a really strong way where it does feel like a comedy so <laughs> thank you good job <laughs> thank you we locked the line that's that's where we like to sit yeah yeah all right well thanks everyone for listening um you can check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com where you can find links to the things we talked about in this episode including all of foster's uh movies that are out and you know her website and all that good stuff if you want to get in contact with us, you can send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at podcast. I'm RFB on Twitter and Instagram and Andrew, Andrew, Andrew can be found at uh, andrewjschrader.com uh, or well, I'm on Facebook somewhere. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook. <laughs> nice. Um, and please, if you guys like the show, spread the word, tell a friend. Uh, you can also leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. That's always really helpful. Um, and we also have a Patreon page. You guys should check it out. I'm hopefully going to have some merch in the Patreon page in the near future if it's not already there. So, yeah, if you uh, like the show, go check out what we got over there. And, yeah, thanks to Foster and Andrew for a great episode. Really appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. All right. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>